Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Um, well, you got you gave the the uh, pre-boarding announcement last week, so I'll, I'll try this week. Um, okay. Hi. Uh, this week, we're going to be continuing a two-part series about uh, conversion therapy. And, and, and it's to celebrate Pride Month, which may seem like an odd fit, but we figured it's just as important to to reflect on on everything that um, these communities have been through. So we're going to talk about conversion therapy. Um, and it, Sydney has warned me that it gets pretty rough. So um, if you are concerned that's something that might be triggering for you or what have you, um, just go ahead and hop off here and we will pick you back up next week. Thank you, so, Justin. That being said. So if you haven't listened to our episode from last week uh, and you're about to listen to this one, I would actually recommend you go back and listen to it because I kind of recounted the history of the idea of conversion therapy, where it came from, specifically in the psychiatric community, the early theories on it from you know Freud on and the revolution that took place within the medical community as we began to perceive you know, sexual orientation as just a fine way of being that is not in any way an illness or pathological is just different from heterosexuality and is just as okay and isn't something that needs to be diagnosed or treated or anything like that. So we've already kind of gone through that history and it's a, it's a good story that ends with us removing homosexuality from, you know, the, the, diagnostic manual of psychiatric disorders and condemning conversion therapy. And if that were the end of the story, that would be great. But unfortunately, uh, that isn't. So to kind of take it back, as I mentioned before, same-sex relationships were common throughout history, especially in ancient Greece and Rome. And while there were very specific kind of cultural rules about who could penetrate who and where, it was generally okay for men to have same-sex relationships. Um, and it wasn't spoken as, of, as often for women, but it was generally okay. This changed in the third and fourth century as there was this kind of social uh, revolution of sorts as Christianity spread. Uh, and you began to see laws that um, made same-sex relationships 
well, one, illegal and two, punishable by death in some circumstances. Um, and this, a lot of this came as you begin to see more and more kind of churches and government bodies intertwined and they would begin to condemn anybody who didn't engage in what they believed the only acceptable sexual relationships um, and and find them and hunt them down and try to prove if they wouldn't admit to their behavior, try to prove it with horrible things like invasive examinations of the anal area to look for evidence that they'd ever engaged in anal sex and things like that uh, to prove their guilt. And, and, and it was really that kind of combination of religion and government that led to always a successful cocktail. Exactly. That led to the criminalization of any kind of same sex attraction, you know, uh, same sex intercourse, anything like that, certainly relationships. So this led to the criminalization of the LGBTQ community and their persecution for many years. But just as things were kind of improving, as we talked about in the in like sort of the 1970s uh, in the medical community, as they were rejecting the ideas that being gay was an illness and speaking out against conversion therapy, those religious forces from long ago came back. So since the 70s, ex-gay Christian ministry organizations have been trying to convert gay people. We're obviously using like ex-gay, like it's a gross term, but I'm yes. using like he, we're using massive, we, we clarified last week, but just to specify massive air quotes, anytime that you feel that we are probably air quoting things, ex-gay is a, a, bonkers it's, term well and it's a term that they use let me clarify yeah. that people who who still would lie to you and tell you this kind of therapy works would say that they are quote-unquote ex-gay um and these organizations have been trying to convert gay people through a mixture of bible study group therapy some things like aversion therapy which we've already talked about which has to do with making somebody feel really bad about themselves for having same-sex attractions um and i imagine mainly guilt I would have to say there's a heavy dose of guilt in all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, in in fact, in 1969, the same year as Stonewall, the same year that, uh, as we talked about in the last episode, we saw this huge kind of the, the revolution really began, uh, especially in the medical community responding to it. Uh, Love in Action, which was a huge so-called ex-gay ministry, was formed. Was that the Chick Fil A? Was one? it a Chick Fil A one? What, is it the one that Chick Fil A was donating to? Maybe it's gone now. Keep as going. As far as I'll, I know, I think gonna, it's gone. I'll, Although I'll a lot of a these, a lot of these places, it was hard to figure out which ones were still around and which ones weren't because they've all kind of changed their names <laughs> and are hiding now. Uh, in 1976, Exodus International was formed, and this was a huge ministry again since closed, but uh, it does still operate worldwide as the Exodus Global Alliance, and they would claim a 30 to 50 percent success rate if you were willing to send your loved one to them to heal their same-sex attractions. I was wrong. I don't think it's love and action is the, 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 yeah. So I, the, no, okay. not that one. Uh, th these were both. There was groups. a love and action day at a Chick-fil-A recently, but it sounds just like a nice event. <laughs> like, I don't think it was related to this. I think. All right. So those are two different things. Whatever you think of Chick-fil-A, this has nothing to do with them. This is not Chick-fil-A related, except in the ways that it obviously is. But it's not specifically a Chick-fil-A related ministry. 
a lot of um, gay conversion ministry has to do with praying, a lot of praying, kind of asking for your creator to heal you of these impulses. Uh, and then a lot of therapy sessions, usually with like a religious counselor. So like a minister or somebody else who would be not just coming from a counseling perspective, although they could be, but also from a, from a faith-based perspective. Uh, usually one who would claim to also be what they would call ex-gay. So somebody who they, who would say, I was like you and I had these same desires and I was able to suppress them desire the opposite sex and move forward. And now I'm just crazy, just <laughs> crazy about the babes. You know, like me, you could be like me and just be babe crazy. Uh, and, and again, the idea was to help you reject your impulses and try to embrace a heterosexual lifestyle. Every major religion, I keep, I said Christian earlier, please know every major religion kind of formed their own groups to do this within the U.S. There were um, there were many different Christian denomination groups. There were also Jewish groups like Jonah that that formed to do this same kind of ministry specifically based in their faith. Um, and they they each had kind of their own way of going about it and their own false prophets who were the charismatic leaders of these groups. And they would take out huge ads in newspapers and magazines to mainly targeted at parents. Send us your kids. We'll fix them. Uh, and there were camps. Obviously, we've all heard of them. There were camps that were started that were like summer camps, except they were specifically for parents to send children if their children were exhibiting what they considered gay tendencies or had already said that they had same sex attraction. Um, and these parents would be scared and pressured into sending their children so that their kids could uh, pray and be saved. Um, but this wasn't enough for some people. So this, this is happening. This is big. There was, there's like famously like a cover of time magazine where there was a couple and their the, the man claims that he formerly was gay and the woman claims she formerly was a lesbian and now they're married and together and our life is so happy. And we're so thankful for these groups, these religious groups that saved us. And so the, in this, in this milieu came Joseph Nicolosi. Uh, this is in 1992. He forms NARTH, which was the National Organization for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality. I don't know why it's not NORTH for the life of me. I don't know why it's, it's not right NORTH, there. but it's NARTH. And he wrote some pretty that's awful what, books. Um, that's what Pinky from Pinky and the Brain used to say all the time, right? Where they were just big Pinky and the Brain fans. <laughs> NARTH, right? <laughs> That's where it came from, I'm That's sure. That's where it came sure. from, probably. So, and he wrote awful books, things like A Parent's Guide to Preventing Homosexuality and things like that. And the goal was to, as he put it, help gay people reach their heterosexual potential. I don't know that I've ever reached my heterosexual potential. I don't feel like I'm, yeah, I guess not. Um, through what he called reparative therapy. This is where we really first see that term. If you've heard the term reparative therapy, it's actually a very specific kind of conversion therapy. The, the, the two are often used interchangeably, but it's it's really specific to this tradition from this, from this guy. Uh, so he 
enlists a bunch of other homophobic therapists and doctors to come help him in this effort. And he also partners with religious organizations. So he can do it both. He wants to do it both ways. He wants to get medical professionals, psychologists, therapists, social workers who still, even though all of their major organizations have rejected this, who still believe in conversion therapy. And he wants to bring in the religious organizations as well so that they can also use the religious angle on patients. And he actually, you can see that in that he worked out of a clinic that he called the Thomas Aquinas Psychological Clinic, very clearly combining the religious and pseudoscientific um, aspects of this. And he would use a mixture of um, sessions with things like, again, confrontational therapy in the traditional burglar, which is confrontational therapy, as I think we've mentioned before is basically abusing emotional abuse screaming and yeah yeah. you just yell and scream at somebody um aversion therapy so again the same things we've heard of before uh have somebody recall a time when they had a same-sex fantasy or attraction and while they were recalling it or show them a picture of something have them um something as simple as snapping a rubber band on their wrist every time Mm. to kind of link a painful stimuli with this or things as serious as electric shocks or medicate or medications that would make you vomit every time. Um, he was also a huge fan of showing people pornography and treatment. Okay. So, uh, More this was the, yeah, this was kind of a big sticking point, uh, as this, as we kind of get to the end of this group later, um, is that especially heterosexual pornography in the thought, in the thought that, well, if I just show you enough, men and women having sex, you'll kind of get over this. Um, He also would promote the idea that if we could just get, specifically for men in this case, if we could just get men acting more masculine. Which meant? So specifically what he recommended were things like drinking Gatorade. (laughs) That if you would just... And if you want to stop being gay, I've wondered why they print that on the label about how it cures you of being gay. I'm right. so happy to have an answer to that. If you want to stop being gay, here's what you do. You look at this picture of boobs and you drink this Gatorade at the same time. And then I would highly recommend that you call all of your male friends, dude, um, because that's. I don't know what's more masculine than that. He should have manufactured his own Gatorade bottle that had pornography printed on the labels. Because that would would be... (laughs) Kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Right. And like you open the cap and underneath it says, great job, dude. Great job, dude. Um, Now, and this this seems like funny and harmless. He also did things like beat people. Oh, well, now I feel bad about joking around, Cindy. These these kind of... uh, This way of like inciting violence was, was also not just to hurt somebody into rejecting the thing you wanted them to reject was also considered like a masculine behavior. Like this, this was all to like increase masculinity, mm-hmm. you know, fighting was supposed to be very masculine. So if you fought more, you'd, you'd be more attracted to women. Um, he claimed that, and I've already mentioned that a lot of these therapies were targeted at children, Largely because you would have adolescents who would just begin to kind of voice their sexual preferences or kind of reveal to their parents, especially at the time in society when, um, and I mean, this is in the, now let me say, this is in the 90s, so this isn't that long ago, but I think we can all agree that uh, societal acceptance 
of the LGBTQ community has changed tremendously since the 90s. Uh, So even then to to come out as gay in 1992 would have still been a, you know, kind of a big deal for a lot of people in a lot of different communities. And um, there were a lot of parents who initially would have been reacted with fear and anger and have no understanding and no resources. And here you have this guy who's writing endless books about it and who's publishing articles and ads in newspapers and magazines and saying, I can help you. I can fix your kid and I can recognize and cure homosexuality in patients as young as three was his claim Mm -hmm. that if you, you could send me your three-year-old and I could tell you if they might turn out to be gay or lesbian and I can prevent it for you. So again, a lot of these people were kids and conversely, you know, he would, he would get parents to send the children to his programs and then once the kids would get there, he would tell them that their parents are to blame for them feeling the way they feel, for them having the attractions that they have. And he would usually try to tie it to some kind of abuse or neglect, whether or not this ever existed. And then he would, if he couldn't find anything like that, he would say, you know, it was probably just because your parents didn't hug you enough. And he would say horrible things like fathers hug your sons because if you don't, some other man's going to. Those were his taglines. So 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 that's the thing. He would he would trick these parents into sending their kids there. And then he would convince the kids that their parents were terrible people um, because not because they sent them to this awful camp, but because they were the reason that they had these same sex attractions. Um, And he also he also had this wild belief that. At any given time, specifically for men, this was aimed at men, you had to be vigilant because at any given time, a man who was already heterosexual would be at risk for becoming gay if they experienced some sort of failure in their life. And so this constant fear that if you didn't get a promotion you wanted or, I don't know, you lost at a round of golf, that you might start becoming gay. Explain Barry Manilow then. He's gay and everything he touches turns to gold. Man hasn't failed at anything in a 50 some odd year career. I don't think I've named a single thing that this guy got right. So yeah, there's no surprise. Add it to the list. Well, folks, I'm going to go scream for 10 minutes straight uh, because that was all really horrible. And then we're going to take a break and go to the billing department. Right, Sid? Let's tell you about some of our sponsors. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? 
pre-prepared. All I got in two minutes. I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So, uh, where were we, Sid? Well, Justin, I'm about to tell you how things fell apart for Narth. Oh, well, that's something. So, a couple things happened to this really just horrible organization that began to lead to its demise. First of all, there was a Dr. Berger, who was a member of their scientific advisory committee, who wrote a paper... In 2006. The same Dr. Burger? That was Burglar. Burglar. Different okay, sorry. Yeah. And in it, he said, you know, there are a lot of kids who go to school who are already kind of exhibiting some of these um, same-sex attractions, or maybe they are non-gender conforming in terms of their dress or their mannerisms, you know, just not fitting what they considered at the time standard binary gender roles, right? Right. And he said, you know, the right way to treat these kids, parents, teachers, the way to handle these kids in your classrooms is to just let whatever happens happen. So let's say that all the other kids tease and bully and taunt and humiliate the child who is different. Let it happen. They need to feel shame. They need to feel guilt and they need to be harassed for who they are. So basically, it's fine. Just let the natural order of things and let these these kids uh, be, you know, victimized by other children. So this was published and this was not received well. No matter what you thought of the LGBTQ community, what you thought of North, what you thought of conversion therapy, the idea that parents and teachers should be 
condoning that kind of yeah, you know, no harassment kidding. was no was not yeah. well accepted. No so you don't think uh, teachers and parents should be deputizing their kids to bully people? That seems exactly. like kind of a bad idea. That that was pretty pretty well rejected. Uh, that was in two thousand six. Now, soon after that. I guess another member who thought, well, old Berger, he, man, he'd got the spotlight for that one. I'm going to try to take it up a notch. He wrote a piece, and this has nothing to do with the, with their already persecution of the LGBTQ community. He decided to go a whole other direction and write a piece on their website, which kind of tried to justify slavery. Hey, how's your committee going? It seems to be pretty bad. It seems like maybe some unorthodox opinions. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe they're just rampantly trying to offend everyone now yeah, with you. these horrible opinions. So uh, these these really these two events really started to lead to the downfall of Narth, and more and more people deciding this organization really wasn't for them, and kind of uh, alienating themselves from the more fringe members of the medical community that had still kind of embraced them. Um, and the, the kind of the end of it for the most part happened actually earlier this year when Dr. Nicolisi died. Mm. So he just died earlier this year. And w- with that, his practice closed, the Thomas Aquinas psychological clinic yeah. closed. And there are other doctors and therapists who learn from him and who are still out there doing these things. But the giant, organization, as it were, has mostly ended. Now, do not be fooled, though. It is difficult to find Narth in under that name on the internet, but that is because they go by a different name now. The Alliance for Therapeutic Choice and Scientific Integrity. Gross. But again, do not be fooled. Um, they are very much the same, even though I think that I don't have evidence of this. I think they are moving away from, at least from from what I've read, they're moving away from some of the more um, overtly physically abusive therapies, the emotional and psychologically abusive therapy that is conversion or reparative therapy is still being done. Mm. Um, And as a result of this, there are states that have specifically barred them from seeing children. Some states. That's something, I guess. Not all. Um, most of the other organizations, things that I mentioned, like uh, Love in Action and um, Exodus, uh, they, they they fell apart. And a, lo- a lot of the reasons, these aren't the only groups, a lot of the reasons that these organizations fell apart is because the leaders came out and said, we were wrong and we're sorry and we're disbanding this group because in most cases, I'm gay and I'm still gay and I've always been gay the and it never worked. Groups? The people running the groups. Yeah. In many cases, they were disbanded and their leaders went on to, you know, uh, marry their partners and, you know, live out the rest of their life as they truly were and apologize for all the harm that they did. Um, even the couple that was on the cover of a magazine was was later. The same thing happened. It's just because you can't it's you, it's not it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so a lot of these organizations started disbanding because they said, you know what, this doesn't work. And that was great. And it's wonderful that these people realized they were wrong and apologized. But the problem is that this didn't, they didn't stop doing this, at least for the most part, until about a third of the LGBTQ youths in America had been treated in some way with conversion or reparative therapy. One in three. I said this in the previous episode, but I want to reinforce this again. Conversion or reparative therapy, whatever you want to call it, call it has been found to lead to depression, anxiety, self-destructive behavior, drug abuse, homelessness, and 
suicide. Um, even now, while it has been discredited by essentially every major medical organization and decent person, um, including the AAFP, I'm a member of the AAFP, and one of the first things I did as I started doing this research was go look up <laughs> yeah. our position statement. Are we cool? Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I want to make sure I can still be a member. Yeah. And the AAFP included. But uh, organizations like the APA and the National Association of Social Workers, um, they, they have all said this doesn't work. We don't recommend it. This is not something that it, it can be harmful. They've all made that statement. It, it can do harm. That being said, and that's great. That's wonderful that everybody's rejected it. That being said, nobody's stopping any of their members from doing it. So just because the National Association of Social Workers or the American Psychiatric Association says this doesn't work, you shouldn't do it. If one of their members is performing it on people and harming them, it's not like they're taking their license away or formally reprimanding them or, you know, helping them get accused of malpractice or anything like that. So there isn't a lot of um, aggressive action taken to stop members from doing it. So some still do. There have been some individual state court cases that have been effective in punishing specific groups. And like I already mentioned, especially groups that target children. Um, there are multiple states where it is, it is, no, it is no longer legal to target children with this kind of therapy. Um, they haven't been able to do that for adults because the idea is that they're making the choice on their own. Yeah. Uh, even though, again, it's essentially malpractice when taken from a medical perspective. Um, and this refusal, like I said, of the major medical organizations to condemn it allows psychiatrists and psychologists and social workers and counselors and basically anybody else in medicine who still believes this way to help organizations like the new incarnation of NARTH, and there are many other like it, to continue in their work, especially the ones that are kind of partnered with religious organizations. Um, they're still in business. They're mixing medical treatment, therapy, religious confrontation, try to force people to change who they are. Um, some of the more recent things that have come out that I've read, uh, a lot of this came from um, a trial against Jonah, which is a which was a, a Jewish organization that attempted to change people's sexual orientation through again, like therapy, but also bizarre treatments, like having people stand in front of a mirror and remove one piece of clothing at a time, as they said, mean things to themselves. And then, Ugh. and then touching themselves with a therapist in the room. I mean, with the, with the doctors and, and things in the Ugh. room, um, reenacting past sexual abuses, yeah. um, things like group nudity and cuddling, like as, as these like bizarre ideas, like this is how you are, th this is how you learn how to be comfortable with other men in a non-sexual way. We're all going to get naked together. I mean, a lot of these are kids again. Um, weird things like hold these oranges and they represent testicles. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, there are other fruits. I mean, out there. Don't then, have to just pick oranges. Then oranges. Yeah, that's just a bad. You don't want to give around. oranges a bad rap. Well, they're they're way too big. Have they not seen testicles? <laughs> that's lunacy. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what. It doesn't even make sense. I, don't know. I know. It's it's nonsensical. It's all nonsensical. Um, they do the same thing with like the confrontational therapy, where they tell people that you're bad and you're going to die sooner and you're going to have a miserable life. Um, they call them gay slurs. They're made again. The parents are blamed for it. So their one specific treatment was that they would give them pillows and say, this pillow represents your mother. What I want you to do is hit it as hard as you can with this tennis racket until your hands bleed so that you punish your mother for doing this to you. Um, that group specifically uh, lost their 
their court case and was not allowed to do that anymore. Um, thank goodness. Um, but these are these are religious organizations that are doing this stuff. Yeah. Um, and again, they do it in conjunction with people who claim to be medical professionals who have the degrees and the licenses, even though I would not call them medical professionals by any stretch. Uh, so they're saying that it's scientific. It's not. It's not. Um, they also, there are some groups who have tried to play this middle ground, which I think is just as bad that where they say, you know what, maybe you can't change, but we can at least help you stay celibate forever, which is just so incomprehensibly sad to even think about. But, um, but that's how some people have found their, their, uh, religious middle ground. Well, we won't persecute these people. We'll just tell them not to ever have sex or have a relationship or experience romantic love and then they'll be fine um and these are people who we're assuming want to by the way i'm not saying it's bad if you don't want to experience romantic love that's not your thing that's not your interest that's fine but these are people who as far as we know still want to um and this isn't just in the u.s in other places this is happening um in south africa gay men and boys are often forced into conversion camps where you just basically do a lot of hard labor the thought it'll make you really masculine if you just do a lot of hard labor and fall out with some gatorade and rehydrate afterwards exactly call everybody dude yeah um and uh you know the only the only thing that has helped has been the tireless work of groups like the human rights campaign the southern poverty law center um the national center for lesbian rights all these different organizations who have kind of taken the route of um finding ways to challenge these groups in different from different angles so like for one in one instance there was an organization called people can change and they actually challenged them to the ftc and the, the Federal Trade Commission because their marketing claims are false. You're right. You do not have to fix anybody. Right. So you're lying. So they're all, since it's all based on lies, they're actually challenging them in court through that way, um, which is a really, and that's also been very successful. And again, the main thing about all this, in addition to the fact that it's incredibly harmful, um, entirely discredited by the medical, organi- by all medical organizations and is based on a diagnosis that isn't a diagnosis at all, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And they've done studies to go back and see, did any of this therapy work? There was a very famous case where a a Dr. Spitzer, a very famous psychiatrist had actually done a study where initially he had said, you know what, maybe in some cases this therapy can actually be successful. Well, in 2012, this was a huge blow to the conversion therapy world. He came out and said, my study was wrong. I've reviewed my data. I was wrong. I drew terrible conclusions. I should never have done it. It was incredibly harmful. Please forgive me for this. I've done, I've done huge harm. This was wrong. You can't, there's nothing wrong with lesbian people or gay people or bisexual people or tra- transgender people. There's nothing wrong with this community. There's nothing to fix. And none of these things you're doing work at all. And they only do harm. Yeah, I wanted to clarify something real quick. You've mentioned L, uh, LGBTQ a, a few times. Um, it, am I correct in assuming, even though we, we've talked about like this quote unquote therapy being applied to gay people, like it, it, did you come across in any of your research the same principles being applied to transgender people? Uh, definitely. Anybody who was, um, who they would have considered, uh, I, I mean, to kind of from their terminology deviant from what they would consider traditional gender roles um gender um behavior presentation so 
yes, definitely you would have been you would have been uh, subjected to the same kind of treatment, uh, whether you were transgender or gay or lesbian or bisexual or you know, in, anything other than, you know, heterosexual cisgender, anything else was unacceptable in in the throughout history and in these various groups. So. Um, a lot of, a lot of historically, the, a lot of the treatment was focused on gay men initially. Mm. They were victimized initially, but everybody was. That's not to say lesbians weren't, but you see like historically a lot of focus on, um. Just like everything anal else. sex. <laughs> Just like everything else is focused on men first. Can't. Oh mean. yeah. You guys have it so hard. <laughs> no, I no. meant that in like a. No, but I mean, yes, all members of the LGBT community were certainly victimized equally and then different groups by different organizations and to varying extents. So certainly there, I am not saying that any member of this community was not persecuted yeah. and isn't continue to, doesn't continue to be by these groups to this day. Um, I did find this fact that I thought was very interesting for all of those people out there who do, um, practice conversion therapy or believe that it is wrong to be well gay the venn diagram of which i assume does not overlap with the salvo's audience <laughs> no extremely properly probably a thin crescent or I would hope not. I would hope not. But it also is important to know this. People who are prejudiced against the LGBTQ community die on average two and a half years earlier than the rest of their decent human peers. Hey, well, so at least we get to end on a happy note. I I tell Um, you, Justin, when doing this, doing these episodes, sorry, (laughs) doing these episodes has it was it was really hard to read about all these horrible things that have been done, um, but not nearly as hard as it would have been to go through them. So I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that it was, Uh, but it really made me step back as a physician and, and think like there were a lot of doctors involved in this stuff and um, they did terrible things. And I started to worry, you know, is that something that at any point, like as a physician, I could be doing something that we'll look back on in a hundred years and say, what a monster she was and and her peers and her colleagues to do that kind of thing. And I, I've thought about this long and hard. I've done a lot of soul searching. And I think, I think the difference, I don't, I don't think that I am. I think probably we're going to learn a lot and there are things that I'm doing that are wrong right now, yeah. you know, that we're all doing that are wrong and we'll learn how to do better. But I, I, everything I do, and I think most people are this way. I believe that most people are this way. I am led by my true um, love and compassion for the human race. And I think that if you are led by that, by the acceptance of all of us as equal humans on this planet, you won't do things like this. Um, the only only a, a refusal to believe that or accept that or embody that or an inability to feel that would lead you to do these things. Uh, that goes ditto for me. Um, except for the parts in this episode where I have audibly and inaudibly wished death on people. So I don't want that to seem <laughs> hypocritical for sure. Um, but I just want to say real quick, uh, this might've seemed a weird choice for pride month, I guess, mm-hmm. but I just would like to, as a, as a, as a straight dude, uh, I would just like to say pride people. I think a lot of people probably think of that as individual pride, pride in who you are and your own sexuality and gender identity and what have you. But I hope that um, 
if if you take something positive away from this, I hope it's additional pride in your um, communities and and the community that you share together. Because I think that it is just staggering that how much that you have had to endure and how much people in this community before you have had to endure just for the right to love who they love and be who they want to be. And um, I think that that's really inspiring. So be proud in yourself and who you are 100%, but, but um, spare some pride for this community that you're part of and, and how hard they have fought and how far they have come because it's pretty astounding. So, I agree. And, and for the rest of us um, who would consider ourselves allies, uh, another thing that you might consider, I mentioned the human rights campaign. Yeah. Um, they have done a lot of the work in taking on these different groups. Um, you can always donate to the human rights ca campaign at, at uh, hrc.org. Um, you become a member there. Um, there's also, like I mentioned, groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center who do a lot of hard work. To, I wish you could uh, give anti-donations to some groups. Wouldn't that be nice if you could pay money to take money away from the bad guys? Well, you, you can in a sense. There are, obviously, uh, we you mentioned Chick-fil-A before, and they're not doing it now, but they were previously supporting groups that uh, practice conversion therapy and finding out businesses that you patronize, finding out if they are donated money to organizations that that do this kind of thing. Uh, is a good thing because then you don't go there and don't buy their things anymore. And mm -hmm. I think that's a great message to send is I won't support organizations that will, uh, that will fund this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And do your and, own research and not for that. Cause for, I feel like Chick-fil-A you know, has kind of gone back and forth on it. I'm not sure I, where they're I know, at right now. I know. I thought that they had stopped. I, I'm not I, sure. I thought I read they had stopped, but I. I yeah. I but, um, but do your research on those things. I think that's always good. And then, uh, you know, don't vote for political candidates who, um, endorse this kind of therapy for like, I don't know, vice president or anything like that. Um, so, <laughs> or certainly at any level of government because they're wrong and it's unscientific and they're wrong and it's dangerous and it's harmful and um, it shouldn't be practiced. So there you go. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to taxpayers for using their song medicines as the international rubber program. Thanks to maximumfund.org network. Um, and uh, that's going to do it for us, Sid. So uh, until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.